Hey, Hannah, what do you get when you put two Gen Zers in a room? I don't know. Exactly. And we're going to figure it out together. Hit the track. You're listening to the Brave Girls Podcast with Hannah McNeely and Michaela Nemhard. Welcome, welcome. Hi, guys. Welcome back to our podcast. Wow. This is Mm -hmm. the second episode of 2021, and we are so excited for today. Oh, my goodness. I'm Michaela. I'm Hannah. Yes. And we are happy that you are here and listening to us. So today Mm -hmm. we have a wonderful guest with us. Her name is Tiffany Bloom. So I'm going to introduce her here for us, and then we're Mm going to say hi to Tiffany. Um, Okay, so Tiffany Bloom is the author of She Dreams and Never Alone, their companion Bible studies, and the forthcoming book, Pray Tell, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Mm -hmm. So Pray Tell, why we silence women who tell the truth and how everyone can speak up. She's a sought-after speaker, writer, and podcast co-host of the popular podcast, Why Though, a show answering the existential and nonsensical questions we ask ourselves with author and speaker Ashley Abercrombie. She speaks at conferences and events around the world, and her work has been featured in World Vision Magazine, Pentecostal Evangel, Today, Parents, The Hallmark Channel, The Jenny McCarthy Show, and more. Her Bible studies on the Bible app have been downloaded more than 130,000 times, and she was named a woman to watch in 2018 by Premier Media. Wow. Tiffany leads an engaged audience online around women's issues, identity, and faith. As a minority immigrant woman with an interracial family, she is passionate about women's equality, justice, and dignity. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Thank you for being with us today. Tiffany, how are you? Oh, so good. So glad to be here with you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. This is actually like just a treat for us. Thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's such a treat because it's, it's so, it's a treat in so many ways, but yeah. also as two new podcasters to be able to have an experienced podcaster on the, on the show is so cool. Um, so I've learned lots from your podcasting style and mm-hmm. you and Ashley are amazing. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. We love it. I, I just feel like in this day and age, it's such an mm-hmm. incredible way to communicate long form communication versus a tweet, an Instagram caption, a Facebook post. It's like, no, we can have real conversations that have yeah. nuance and require time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. Thank you so yeah. much. I love so, it. Thank you for being mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Tiffany, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your story and your life? Yeah. So I am Indian. I was adopted just shy of my second birthday to the States and I grew up in an all white community all. So didn't meet another person of color until I was 12 years old and having white parents, white siblings in a white community, um, and learning this hierarchical way of the gospel and who Jesus is and where my place is, it was very skewed. And so I think uh, being the underdog and being othered for so much of my life gave me so much compassion and I wouldn't trade that for the world. It really, um, it wasn't the breaking of me. It truly was the making of me as cheesy as that sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, But growing up, I, as, as I uncovered who Jesus was, I uncovered his grace and his kindness. I was convinced that um, I had a place at the table. So before I felt like an Indian in America or an, even an Indian in India, which I felt like an imposter in that scenario, um, I found my place in the kingdom of God. And so from that, I think that's where confidence and understanding and vision for my life came. And I would say that really started to blossom in my late teens. 
and has really, um, I, I think about those early days of discovering the nature and love that Jesus had for women. And that has really been um, a value to me and my, just my foundation of who I am and how I live my life. Um, so I pursued full-time ministry very young. I did ministry abroad in my late teens, early twenties. And then I worked at a mega church here in the Seattle area for the majority of my twenties. And at the very end of that time, I discovered some indiscretions at the highest level of leadership. And uh, it, it was one of those moments where you've played the game you've done everything you were asked to do you 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 did the right thing and when then the wrong thing happens and you're like wait a second I, i'm the girl who showed up I, I didn't ask for this you know i didn't ask to be in a situation that is not of my own making um i didn't ask to clean up other people's fires i didn't ask to be here you know mm -hmm. and uh, i think my I was faced with convictions or loyalty. And I think it's, uh, I, I heard someone say, there's a reason loyalty isn't a fruit of the spirit is because it can be so easily exploited. So I found myself in a situation where I had to hold to my convictions or to my loyalty and I chose my convictions. And so that's what really brought me to where I am now. So I left full-time traditional church ministry and I've been writing, traveling and speaking for about six years full-time. And, uh, but even before that, when I was working on a church staff, I was doing a ton of writing and a ton of speaking and different things like that. But, um, but I really feel like this is why I'm here. I'm here to love women, speak to women, disciple women, encourage women, challenge women to play our part in the world. We make a path to sky. So mm -hmm. may we play our part with as a dignified, righteous, victorious, and women of vision. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. I mean, I love to hear, I love hearing some of who you are and like your story and your upbringing, because it's so cool to hear you speak about it with such strength and such yeah. like, uh, I mean, you've, I'm like, I love what you said. Actually, you might need to repeat it. It didn't break you, but it made you. Yeah, it really yeah. wasn't the breaking of me. It was the making of me. You know, we, we mm -hmm. stack up all of our experiences and you're like, this is why I'm broken. This is why I'm right. at a deficit when I compare myself to everyone else. And in reality, it's your greatest strength. Like, it has made you and built you. If you still have a pulse, by God's grace, if you still have a pulse, then there is something he has for you in that. And I think um, we're just so easy to assume that we're fractured and that our traumas are the reason we will not overcome. And in reality, they're great fodder to be overcome. Yes. And I wow. even thought about like, even with the traumas that we face, we can relate to people and we can give, mm -hmm. you know, just some lessons that we've learned right because people also are reaching out for people just like us right what we've been through you know our lives so yeah, yeah. no thank you again tiffany that is what like amazing yeah. <laughs> i love that suffering binds the human race together right yes. like it's the only thing we share we might not share race gender class we yeah. share suffering yeah mm. wow Wow, that's so that's insightful. Wow. So insightful. Yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've shared a little bit, I guess, of like, you know, when you were working in full-time ministry and, and the, you know, things that happened and all those sorts of things, I was wondering, like, you know, was that the big kind of event or moment when, you know, your writing took off and then your speaking career took off. And so what kind of led you to writing this book? Like pray tell is your most recent book. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that and how were you led to get to here? Oh, what a great question. Okay. So I was the girl, even in high school, college, I was in the English lab, helping grade other people's papers and proofread. I knew that I, I knew I had the gift of communication really young. And I say that with confidence. Like I don't, 
deny that I had this gift. And I think especially as women, when we have a gift young, we're like, oh, you know, we're just building it. We don't want to appear braggadocious. But the reality is no man would hide their gift or skill. And if they knew they had it, you know, the most mediocre man would feel very confident. Yet the most accomplished woman <laughs> would still feel embarrassed to talk about her gifts, you know? Right. So anyway, that's just for free. But <laughs> so, I, um, so I really knew that that was something I was passionate about. I felt alive when I was speaking. I felt like I could communicate for change and wholeness. That has been, that's my life song communicate for change and wholeness. And um, the writing, uh, I would say I'm a speaker first and a writer second. And so the writing is something that I've really, really honed, really polished, really given a lot of energy and attention to get my 10,000 hours in. And uh, so I I got my first book deal. Um, I didn't have any connections, by the way. I don't want someone to hear this and think, well, yeah, but she had this, this, and this. I had nothing, you all. I grew up trailer trash backwoods, no, no connections, no nothing. And then I, I saved up all my pennies. I remember y'all, I was, uh, I, I had my second kid, I was nursing and I wanted to go to this conference on the East coast. I live on the West coast and it was a writer's conference mm-hmm. and you could like American Idol style, you could get in front of an agent for 15 minutes and pitch oh. your idea. And I'm like, this is my moment. And a friend of mine had said who, who was an author, um, but she, she didn't have any connections for me to, you know, in the industry or anything like that. But she said, I feel like if you could just get in front of somebody and pitch your idea, you might have a little bit more favor versus just emailing. And I had sent probably 40 queries to agents and publishing houses um, and, and had 40 rejection letters. Um, and so I went to this conference and I, my first, um, my first appointment, you get two appointments. I totally bombed it, tried my best. And this person said, you don't really know what you want to say in life. And I was like, Okay. Okay. Well, I will go and hone it. You're an expert. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. And then the second one was like, how are you not a published author? Where have you been all my life? Like within five weeks I was offered a deal. And, um, and so I wrote my first book in Bible study. It's called never alone. And it's about, it starts with my abandonment and it ends with my son's adoption. My oldest son is adopted from Mm -hmm. Uganda. Um, and so it just, this full circle, um, hunger for belonging, hunger for this just desire for community. And we're always looking for a new ending to the broken storyline of our lives. And so how do we absolve those and who Jesus is rather than looking for other people to become what they could never become. Mm -hmm. And so as you go, you know, and I had a really small platform. So just trying to get it out there, I I would love to say it took off, but it's just Mm -hmm. been such a slow roll. It's been such a slow roll. And I feel like, you know what, my job is to be faithful as opportunities come along. Don't get me wrong though. I'm doing the work Mm -hmm. girls. I'm doing the work Right. get out there to put myself out there. But, uh, you know, I, and, and, and I think even that can feel a little awkward. Like I can't sell anything. I'm like, Jesus, help this book is read by preferably <laughs> thousands, you know, yes. but it's one of those things where I'm like, oh wait, the Proverbs 31 woman, she knew what she had was good. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a silk fine scarf or whatever you're selling, mine happens to be words. Mine happens right. to be inspiration and encouragement, but I know what I have is good. So I have to, I have to lean back on that. I, I know what I have is good. I'm contributing to human flourishing, which is what we're all invited to in the kingdom of God. So this book specifically, Pray Tell, my second book was all about dreams and how the underdog is most poised um, to pursue dreams rather than those who are resourced. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, this is coming from a tender spot. This is, um, This is one that's not your average Christian living, Christian inspiration. This is talking about real issues that affect all of us. We are all subject to systems that silence women, whether it's in church, in school, and in politics, in business and entertainment, at McDonald's. It doesn't matter where you work. 
the likelihood that women are seen as less is probably an unsaid value in that system you um, that you're in. And so being able to unpack, why is that? Why are women second? And why are women silenced when there's been an abuse of power? Why is it at a woman's expense? And what can we do to change that? Because we all contribute to that. We do as much as we don't want to admit it. We all can contribute to silencing women. You know, you look um, in the States at the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh and Dr. Kristen Blasey Ford was, I mean, she was sent death threats because she spoke an unpopular truth to a man of power. And his defense was his accomplishments. Not that he didn't do it. It was his accomplishments. That was his big defense. But look at me, I could never do that. You know, so I think that we are just so easy to, to write women off. And, and in the church specifically, that Greco-Roman influence in the early church, you know, Jesus was so subversive. He put women in places of power. Their testimony meant something in the first century when their testimony held no weight in a court of law. The whole message of the resurrection is dependent on a woman speaking the truth. And so, but the way the first century uh, Greco-Roman influence just infiltrated the church of like, no, women are second. No, women should be silent. Um, we, we are still writing that cultural wrong of understanding a woman's place. And if the, the systems that we've created that are architected, they're architected to protect men and demonize women, if we are so, um, we're so ingrained in those and we're contributing to those, it's gonna take a massive shift to realize how do we undo this and understand this is not kingdom. This is not kingdom. And there's some mm -hmm. faulty ideology and there's some faulty theology at play when we allow that to run rampant. Mm. Wow. Wow. Was, so your, yeah. your book then it's, it's, you know, how are we making that shift? Like, how are mm -hmm. we flipping, you know, how are we making those small changes in our own life or big changes to yeah. contribute less to those systems of oppression? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Contribute less. And also wherever we're at in our life, there's an interior work to be done and there's an exterior work to be done. There's heart work, of course, mm -hmm. but there's action steps to be taken um, in whatever system we're in. So whether that's talking to HR or whether that's um, finding out what, what values and bylaws are in place at your church, if a woman comes forward or if, uh, if, how are women being amplified? How are women helping making decisions? How are women contributing to equitable spaces and places? Because unchecked misogyny will ruin us all. It'll ruin us all. And sometimes we think, oh, if a woman has power, she'll abuse that power. And nothing could be further from the truth. History shows that when a woman has power, more people, men and women, are, are experiencing safe, equitable spaces where everyone can thrive. I mean, the GDP, if more women were in power, they say it would increase by like 25% in the next 10 years. Um, women have contributed to laws that protect other women and families and children. So um, there's, there's, much to, there's much change to be had. And I think especially uh, in faith spaces. Mm. Yeah. I know you talked about some like how people in places have contributed to this environment. And I know you talked like a bit about like solutions. So what are some solutions that we can kind of like hold on to that we can kind of push forward even as women like in these spaces, right? Yeah. What can we do? I think the first thing we need to do, forgive the alliteration, is lament. We have to lament mm. where we've got it wrong. Right. Uh, you know, I think I, my hope is so for the younger generation who are seeing like, uh, we won't stand for this. Our mothers might have been silent. Our grandmothers might have never thought they could raise our voice, but we ain't going to go out like that. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing we need to do is lament how it's been. Lament how women have been silenced and harmed. Lament how women have been treated um, when they have something to say and feeling like they can't tell the truth wherever they're at. So I think first, lament. And we have incredible biblical examples, both in the Old and New Testament, of how that can be done well um, and how that can be done corporately and both individually. 
I think second, we need to listen and learn. We need to listen to the accounts of women that we've previously silenced. We love to parade women who've overcome something. We love to hear their stories, but what about the ones who are still subject to these systems? You know, I think in the, especially in the faith context, we want women to get over it and then we'll tell your story, you know, but if you suffer for too long, if you've, you know, you're past your expiry date, we're like, we need you to shut up. So how can we continue to sit back and listen to uncomfortable truths? Because it, what it forces us to do is it forces us to examine, wait, did I misplace trust? Did I misplace power? Because if something could happen to this person, and it wasn't their fault, then it could happen to me. And that's what we fear most is something happening to us. So we can easily demonize women and, oh, this happened to her because A, B, C, and D. And I would never do those things. So we separate ourselves from the victim. We separate ourselves from the oppressed. We separate ourselves from those who've been othered because we are just convinced if we stay in the majority, this won't happen to me. Mm. It's a form of self-preservation. So if we can just sit and listen and understand this could happen to anybody, and this truly is an oppressive system, this isn't an individual case, there is a, there is a systematic way this is uh, happening to women, um, that is... That's what we need to do next. And then I think after that, love. And love looks like justice. Love looks like, uh, you know, I think we often feel that love isn't divisive. And and I, I'm not saying that um, love is divisive. I'm saying that dissent is not divisive. Speaking of and, and, and offering dissent and a differing opinion isn't divisive. It is the way forward. We have to be willing to think about this differently if we want to move forward to health and wholeness for all. Mm. Wow. That's so good. It's so interesting because I don't know, Michaela, if you caught this, but Mm -hmm. like last week we had a podcast and we were, we had a little moment at the end where we were talking a little bit about the recent events in America on, on January 6th. Um, and we were talking a little bit about like, how do we move forward in a way of peace and all this sorts of things. And so it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's cool to hear what you're saying and think like, okay, like how do we take a whole bunch of broken people mm-hmm. and, you know, work together to move forward? Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, the way is forward. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. 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 And it just takes, I think humility is so underrated. <laughs> It's right. so underrated. And I am telling you, there is a reason that is when we think of Jesus, one of the first things we probably think of is humility. Mm-hmm. It really, really, really is necessary to see the broken things made whole. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so a few weeks ago, actually, it was last year now that I, I know, right? It, <laughs> it was a few weeks ago. So <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, we had a question from one of our listeners mm-hmm. that uh, speaks a little bit to what you were saying actually a second ago about, you know, um, you know, reaching out and listening and taking time to listen to people who are still in systems of oppression, like still struggling and still uh, hurting. And so I think like, you know, I feel like sometimes in my mind, people who are hurting are, you know, like still kind of nice, you know, like whatever. But a lot of the time people who are really hurting and in systems that are oppressing them, like, you know, there's, it's, this oppression speaks out in other ways that sometimes like make us think, oh, like you're just mean, or you're always angry or, you know, all this sorts of things you put others down. And so we had a question actually that was saying, um, how do I speak life and encourage and empower another woman who continually puts other people down and who continually harms others? Um, because yeah, we want to encourage and we want to empower the women around us, but sometimes it's harder to do it than when they're like not kind, you know? Yeah. I think first, uh, just some disclaimers. Number one, uh, we can't change people. So we can speak life, but if we're expecting A plus B equal to equal C, it might not. If we think my encouragement is going to bring change to this person, 
Of course, we'd love for that to happen. But if it doesn't, we have to be okay that we were faithful, that we were obedient to do mm-hmm. what God called us to do, which is to speak life and not death. And then I think secondly, um, we have to do this unto the Lord, unto the Lord. You know, this is this is not for, of course we want change. I just want to emphasize that. Of course we want change. But if people aren't people of peace and they're not, they don't have ears to hear and a heart that's open, um, we can only do what we can do. But I also believe that we can pray for heart change. I think more than anything that, you know, our prayers are powerful and effective and praying for that person's heart. There's clearly a lot of brokenness. You know, I have a 10 year old boy. I got a preteen. So y'all can pray mm-hmm. for me. Um, I'm like, oh, boys. Oh, wow. This puberty thing is no joke. But one of the things we often talk about when he's like, hey, this person in school is really mean. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I bet they're hurting. I bet something's going on at home. I yeah. said, the first thing we jump to isn't, oh, that's not cool. They shouldn't, be, they shouldn't be like that. It's like compassion. Oh, I bet they're really hurting. How can mm-hmm. we be praying for them? How can we be interceding and, and believing for the best for them just as we would want it for ourselves? Wow. that Yeah, no, that's amazing. I Okay, so I want to know. So being in these spaces, you know, and, and trying to occupy your space, especially amongst like men in rooms, mm-hmm. right? How do you how do you become brave? Like, what do you do to show like your bravery? Like, you're like, no, I'm not scared about anything. I, I can speak up. I have my own voice. Like, what do you do in those situations? Oh, wow. What an incredible question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have only brothers and okay. I pursued male dominated spaces for my entire career. Right. Um, so I have found myself in that place so many times. And I think first, um, remember that men aren't the enemy. Remember that yeah. men are created in the image of God, just as I am. If I believe that we're equal, I believe that they're loved and deserve every good thing, just as I would hope goodness and mercy mm-hmm. follow me around all the days of my life. Mm-hmm. So I think first that, and I think also, um, my heart posture is to remember that these are my brothers. These are my right. brothers. Um, so my bravery also comes from knowing that I, uh, this brotherhood and sisterhood, they aren't separate, but they love one another. They're here to in- mutually encourage one another. So if I operate from that mutual encouragement, even if I don't receive it back, I know that my heart posture is in the right place. Mm-hmm. So I think that's right. first. I think second, um, you know, when you're being brave in a space that is male dominated, mm-hmm. you are up against so much family of origin and ideology and beliefs that those men have about women and they're all differing, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a room, I, in fact, when I was a pastor, when I first started, I think there was 15 men, 15 pastors, and I was one of two women. And the other one was in her mid fifties, um, white, and then myself. So mm-hmm. it was definitely, uh, I was out of my depth for sure. And I was early twenties. Um, but I remember thinking, you know what? No, my value matters. My voice matters here. There's a reason I got to the table. So I'm going to act like I belong at the table. Right. We we're sometimes we're so shocked that we've gotten as far as we have in life. And we're like, we got to get over that shock because by God's grace, yes, he done did it. But now Mm -hmm. I've got to live in this path that has already been carved out for me. Mm -hmm. I have to live like I was meant to be here all along. Because we have such imposter syndrome, you see, and that just eats away at our bravery. It tells bravery, you better sit down and shut up because you ain't got nothing to say. But bravery says, I belong here. I have something to say. I'm a valuable contributor to this room and to this place and to this space. And I think, you know, I can think of how many times where one of my colleagues would speak up and say something and he would be congratulated for having an opposing varying view that, oh, you're seeing things differently like nobody's seen them before. But if I were to speak up and say maybe the exact identical same thing, I would be seen as you know an antagonist and contrarian and why well, you gotta think like that. That's not, that's not the energy, that's not the vibe we need right now. And right. I'm like, hey. <laughs> Honestly, 
Michaela, Hannah. Yes. I remember one time I was in this executive retreat. Mm-hmm. It was like a two-day retreat. And the <laughs> one of the senior leaders in the room kept saying all of these ideas like, oh, what if we did this? And the people would look at them and I kid you not, I friggin' kid you not. They would happen three times in an hour. They're like, Tiffany just said that two minutes ago. That's where you got the idea. He's like, oh, oh. No. And then like, an, you know, a few minutes later, he's like, oh, well, what if we did this? And they're like, Tiffany just said that. And I'm just like, this is life. <laughs> this is how life works, you know? And it happened That's to several other women. I'm not saying I had my, all my IDs. To right. I'm not like the martyr here, but I'm just like, oh, wow, this is all true. Everything I've ever been told is right. true. That is um, so I crazy. Think, I think you also, you have to choose what to be offended about. Mm. Can I just be honest? If yeah. you're going to be in spaces where you, if you're feeling to hurt easily, I think um, attend to that. Why? Why are they hurt? And I'm not saying like only bold girls only. I'm just saying attend to that. Mm-hmm. Attend to why you might be hurt, why there might be offense. Is there a root of something that you need to go down and address and maybe pull up? Because to be in spaces is going to be, you're going to be rubbed the wrong way at one point or another. But so I think there's room for boldness and bravery can often look like offering grace. It can be speaking truth to power and getting ready for the consequences. Because I know I sure wasn't ready for the consequences, but I'm living proof that you can still breathe even when you do hard things. So I think bravery looks like, uh, it can look like getting up in the morning. It can look like speaking up. It can look like holding it down. But I think, um, I just wish I would have known on the other side of bravery was peace. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have known that. Um, I wish I would have known that being brave doesn't mean you'll lose everything. You won't lose your understanding, your sense of self. It might be rattled, uh, but who you are is enough. And because God determines that not man, God is my promoter, not man. Um, I just wish I would have known that bravery was to be trusted. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. I have goosebumps just from listening to you. Like I feel empowered, you know, like when, when you speak so. like that, I'm like, I feel empowered. I'm like, yes. Okay. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go do that. Like, I'm just, I'm just so astounded. Like, it's amazing. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Honestly. Oh. Yeah. Thank you so much. I actually like what you said about, you know, if you're easily offended, maybe there's something to dig down deep and like pull up a root in your life or in your, you know, beliefs about yourself. Like I find myself easily offended, especially in conversations about gender issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's crazy because like, I always end up getting so angry, like so angry. And then, you know, the conversation basically falls apart because I'm so mad. (laughs) And so I think like, you know, maybe that comes from maybe, you know, my sensitivity to it comes from like doubt in my own voice or doubt, you know, in the power I have to speak out against it. And so I, I, you know, we have this thing that we do here called girl listen. And I was hoping that maybe you could, you know, speak to people, you know, like us sometimes like me who are, who struggle with like doubting their own voice or aren't sure, like, you know, am I brave enough or am I you know able enough to say what I feel or, or defend myself or defend whatever. So yeah, if you could just speak a little bit and start what, what you're going to say with girl, listen, um, and then we'll end our show with that. Awesome. Girl, listen, listen to me, lean in close. Cause I got something to tell you. You do not have to fall prey to other people's beliefs about you. You are not what other people determine you are. You are not the sum of their ideas or vision for your life. And when you outgrow their ideas or vision for your life, they might be jealous. They might be uncomfortable and that's okay. It's okay if you've outgrown them for the journey or if they never had a place on the journey to begin with. 
But who you are is not determined by others, not by your mama, not by your pastor, not by your mentor. Even the most beautiful people in your life who are speaking life, which I hope you're listening to, is just a sliver of what God speaks over you. The holy of holies, the one who hung the stars, determines who you are. And it is good, and it is powerful, and it is righteous, and it is true. Hold on to that all the days of your life. That was amazing. I'm like crying. Just oh my gosh. <laughs> no, like, if, okay, all those listeners out there, I know you were impacted in some way just by listening to this because I am just like in awe right now. Like that, I needed that. I needed that pick me up, you know, because sometimes you, you get so down, you know, and like you hear like, you know, kind of guys kind of talk over you or anything happens, you know, people talk over you and you're like, I kind of feel like I'm losing my voice in a way. But like yeah. you, like, I don't know what you did, but I feel like very empowered now. Like, I feel like I can just like, there's a fire back in me. So I'm like, I'm, I'm really excited for that. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being on the show honestly yes. truly an honor and honor also wow. how fabulous is the title of your podcast I know. Uh, when cheryl <laughs> invited me i was like uh obviously i can't imagine what it would have been like if i had your voices in my ears when i was wow. that age so a thousand thank, thank you. yous for what you're doing thank it's making you. a difference oh, your encouragement means so much to me like seriously thank you so much uh so where can we find you you know you know if people want to know more people want to hear more from you where can we find you Yes. Well, everything about Pray Tell is at tiffanybloom.com, B-L-U-H-M. And I'm on Instagram. I can't handle the Twitter or the Facebook. It's too much, but I can handle Instagram. So, and I can hit the blog button. Um, but let's connect over Instagram give a shout out. Let me, let me know who's listening to this podcast. I want to hear about it. Hear what you thought. Slide into those DMs. Let's get the conversation <laughs> continued. Yes. I love it. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Thank you yes. for being here. And yeah, we'll hopefully have you again. Absolutely. Ah, My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has thank been an you. awesome time with you. Oh, yes. um, this is Hannah. And this is Michaela. And it's time, time to, to be, be brave. brave. Thanks for listening to the Brave Girls Podcast, a product of Brave Global Organization. <laughs>